It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled, Get Wisdom. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 4, the advice of a father to his sons, um, transferring, passing down wisdom that has been passed down to him that he's experienced and why wisdom needs to be a priority uh, for our pursuits in life. This Friday night, we've got our, our uh, third or fourth Texas Hold'em tournament for the guys. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, visit our Facebook page and sign up on the event or email us and we'll get you on the list. Other than that, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. So this last week, I think it was the first time that we've ever had to cancel a class because of ice. But it was the, supposed to be the opening night, opening night of our relate class, and we we canceled it because everybody was getting scared of driving on ice, which is a good thing to be scared of in Louisiana, uh, at least the people who drive on ice. Um, so. We canceled that, and me and Dina were kind of bummed because we were really looking forward to getting the class started. We got like, I don't know, 35 people signed up for the class, so it's going to be a, a, a kicking uh, experience here on, on, on uh, Tuesday nights. But one of the things that we will be talking about in the coming weeks is recognizing the season of life that you, your, your marriage happens to be in. And so we use as a metaphor just the, the regular weather season. So for instance, spring is, is when you fall in love, it's romance, it's getting engaged, it's getting married, all that. And, and if you're lucky, that, that spring section might last the first couple of years of marriage, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're not, it, it might be over like, you know, two weeks in. Um, but out of spring, you, you begin to move into summer. And summer is the time in your marriage where you have more commitments, you put down roots, maybe you kind of land on a career, maybe you start having kids. And for many people, that, that summer s- section of their marriage may last a couple of decades, 25 years or so. But when you come to the end of summer, you begin entering into fall. And fall is, if you've had kids, fall is the time where you become an empty nester. You know, you transition in your relationship with your kids. They go from being, uh, you know, you go from being mommy and daddy to now you're, you're an adult with adult kids. And, and, Dina and I have have been, you know, gradually entering into this phase of life over this last year, and so this is kind of our first relate class where we're we're kind of in a, a, a new season in life than what we've been in in the past, and so it's got all kinds of of challenges. Like I, it's weird, you know, in a in a household of four, you know, we used to go to Sam's once a week and buy like, you know, vegetables and fruit and eggs and stuff like that, but like. September and October, I'm like throwing food away, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And uh, like, well, we got one less mouth to feed, and it's 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 shaking up a lot of things, and it it feels empty around there, and it's it's difficult to deal with. But one thing that I've noticed, and and I don't know if this is a common thing that that guys feel, it, I just probably ought to ask some folks, but I've been feeling this urge lately to write down some things that I have learned from my life and pass it on to my kids. 
I don't know if anybody else ever feels that, but I've just really been feeling like, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do as far as, like, parenting at this point. Like, you know, the mistakes that I've made as a parent thus far, you know, I can't really make up for those. They're going to have to go to therapy for that here in a few years. <laughs> so I, I can't change the way I've raised my kids up to this point, but I do feel compelled to, to maybe write down some of the things that, that have helped me succeed in life to the point that I've succeeded, you know, and, 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 and actually a lot of the stuff that I've learned is, is not from succeeding. It's actually probably most stuff has been from failing. Failure is a great teacher, um, if you're willing to learn from it. And so I found this last week, uh, as we were having our snow days, uh, I actually got legitimate cabin fever in Louisiana, like being stuck inside. It's weird. And uh, so I started actually writing down some things that I, I would like to give to my kids, maybe here in a few weeks, a couple of months, as soon as I finish my thoughts, just some, some wisdom from my experience. Now, I know when I give it to them, they might roll their eyes and, and not read it, because I know when I was 18, I wasn't like, you know, chomping at the bit to get wisdom from my dad, because I pretty much had it all figured out. Uh, as the old Bob Dylan song says, uh, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now, and... Uh, <laughs> But I do feel like at some point, these words from my wisdom might make sense and might help my own kids as they, as they navigate the, the early years of adulthood, might help them skip some things that could really um, throw them off track or be very destructive. And so in this process of writing down some of these, these thoughts, I... Um, I've been reminded a lot about the book of Proverbs. And I haven't really read a whole lot from the book of Proverbs in, you know, in a few years, but there was a time in my life where I would read the Pro- uh, one chapter out of Proverbs every day. Maybe some of you have tried that before. And I, I did a, a season where I did that, and I, I would, I'd recommend it. You know, it's, a, it's a great thing because it, it doesn't take much time. Proverbs has 31 chapters, so in a month you can finish the whole book and start over. And there's something cumulative that happens about reading these little verses. I, I think Proverbs is like the Twitter of the Bible, you know? Because uh, how many people are on Twitter in here? All right, Brandon. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle, Brandon? So just in case people want to follow you. <laughs> Twitter's an interesting thing. Up until recently, you could only write statements that had 140 characters. And you think, there's not a whole lot you can say in 140 140 characters. But yet, that's what most of the Proverbs are like. They're these concise little statements that are packed with wisdom and meaning that can help you navigate life. They serve as kind of a compass to guide you. And so it's it's interesting if you start reading the book of Proverbs, they, they just kind of uh, get stashed away into your mind until you come into a circumstance where you're like, oh, this thing is, is very helpful right here. This is a very pe- helpful piece of wisdom. So I've been reminded a lot about that as I've been thinking about passing on wisdom to my own kids. So this week I was looking in the book of Proverbs and Proverbs uh, chapter 4, and it's on the front of your bulletin, and it starts off with this introduction which, which really made me feel like maybe I'm not alone in feeling what I'm feeling right now as a father. It says, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. I do not for, do, so do not forsake my teaching. 
For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forsake, do not forget my words nor turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Imagine kind of what I was feeling the other day. Here I am feeling compelled to pass on something to my kids and I look in Proverbs and it starts out with a father sitting his kids down saying, Listen to what I have to tell you. I've got something that has the that, that might help you avoid some things that could really screw you up. Listen to me. But it's interesting what this father says. He says, for I once was a son myself, and my dad sat me down, and he gave me wisdom. And he said, pay attention. These words, if you love wisdom, wisdom's going to protect you, preserve you, help you navigate things. So we see something in this introduction that it is actually part of what we have to give our own children is not just, you know, we, we tend to think in terms of like, are we going to be able to leave like a financial inheritance for our kids? Are we going to be able to leave, you know, some possessions? What is, what is our legacy along those lines? But wisdom is actually something that is meant to be passed on from generation to generation, and I got to tell you, you know, still, I'm, I'm 45. I'm a grown man. And I still, as I'm navigating situations in life, I still uh, am reminded of wisdom from my own father and my own mother and other uh, elders that have helped me and continue to help me in my life. It's good to, you know, it's always good to in, innovate things and stuff, but we need to be... Um, cognizant and aware of the wisdom that can be passed down to us from others. And, 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 as, and as parents, we get to participate in, our, in that ourselves. So that's the introduction. <laughs> I just realized I've got all my notes from last week's message. That's not going to help. <laughs> but then it goes on in verse 7 to say this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get, wind, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I will instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. I won't continue to read the passage, but it goes on to tell you the benefits of wisdom. But I, I, I want to focus today on this opening line in chapter seven, in verse 7, it says, the beginning of the wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> Doesn't that strike you as kind of a strange saying? You know, it's kind of like, you know, a person coming up to a poor person and saying, the beginning of getting rich is getting you some money. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that really sounds wise and helpful. <laughs> yeah, that, I didn't think that. That's all I need is get some money. That, great. I don't think that's what is actually being said here. What is being said is that wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom, needs to be a priority in our life. Wisdom does not happen accidentally. You can see people 
Two people living even in the same house that grow up in the same circumstances. One grows up wise, one grows up a fool. It doesn't, it's, getting wisdom is not going to happen uh, unless you are intentional about it, unless you set your heart on it, unless you set your attention to gaining wisdom and gaining understanding. It's not just going to happen. And this is what the book of Proverbs is, is trying to say, is that, that you can just go through life and, and not learn anything from your circumstances and, and trials and situations you face. Or you can go through life committed to learn wherever you're at. So we have this problem in, in, our, in our modern country. I think most of us, you know, we, we go through grade school, we go through high school, maybe you go through college, you get done with that, you get into your job. And we just think, yeah, the learning part of my life is over. That's over. I, I've been in class. No, you're always in class. You are always in class. And the person that, that, never, that, that thinks they stopped learning when they got out of college or high school is a person who will cease to grow wise. I think if I, some of the best advice I could give anybody is always be a student. Always. Whether you're rich or poor, young or old, always set your heart to learn. A person, who do, a person who's got that mentality, I, I think that's one of the best things you can do. I mean, we'll probably talk about this in our Relate course. One of the best things you can do in marriage, if you both, both people in a marriage are going to be learners and students, you've got humility right there. You've got two people that are willing to work through things. It's amazing how that one shift in your perspective, in your posture towards life and circumstances, will open up so many good things in your life. The beginning of this, of wisdom is this. Get you some wisdom. (laughs) Make it a priority. Make it the posture of your life. So I want to talk a little bit about wisdom this morning. And to do this, I want to look at the definition of wisdom. I think I put it in, um, yeah, it's in your, on the back of your bulletin. Wisdom is defined in the dictionary as the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. The soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. This is an interesting thing that kind of separates wisdom from just mere knowledge of facts. Because wisdom has many layers to it. It's multidimensional. It's got depth in it. There's a saying that occurs a few places in the Bible, but I actually came across it in some ancient Sumerian writings. Uh, I was... You know, what I do for fun on a snow day is listen to the Epic of Gilgamesh on audiobook. <laughs> but it's interesting. I came across a saying in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest actual piece of literature that's ever been discovered from the Sumerians. But it's got a, it's got a similar phrase that you see in the Bible. A threefold cord is not easily broken. If you take a piece of rope, classic threefold cord, a rope is actually three pieces of rope that are braided together. And there's something about braiding three pieces of rope together that gives you something that is exponentially stronger than, than those three pieces on their own or even three pieces disconnected. In the same way, I think wisdom is, is a threefold cord of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's, it's all three of those things. And so I want to look into to these three aspects this morning uh, as we talk about wisdom. The first would be experiential knowledge. Probably the one form of wisdom that is open to, that is 
more accessible to everybody in life is experiential knowledge. And it's probably the most important aspect of wisdom. Um, Because when you experience something, you know it in a different way than if you just learn some facts, right? I think that's the, you know, probably one of the biggest, biggest, weakest weaknesses of our educational system in America is that we focus so much on knowledge as memorizing ideas that, that oftentimes people graduate college, they got letters behind their names, but they, they got no sense at all. They got, it's just, they got a lot of stuff in their brain and that's, that's not wisdom. How many of you, when you were kids had to touch the stove? Yeah, I I knew you, Bill. Yeah, you still have to touch the stove now. Uh, You know, when when you're a child and your parents tell you, don't touch the hot stove because you touch the hot stove, it's going to burn you and you're going to cry. It's not going to feel good. And they tell you that over and over. Intellectually, you get it. You've you've got the concept in your head. Stove equals hot. If I touch it, it's going to burn me. I'm going to cry. Some kids are content with that. But many kids... They got to find out for themselves, and they touch that stove, and what happens? They cry, <laughs> and maybe they maybe they hurt themselves. You know, maybe it gets blistered. But I guarantee you, the kid that's touched the hot stove, they don't have to learn that lesson again, right? Like you 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 know it in a way that you didn't know it before because you've experienced it, and it leaves an imprint in your mind that will stick with you. <laughs> And you will build upon that, and it will help you navigate life. You know, Jesus, in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, if you continue in my teachings, you will indeed be considered my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I think part of our problem oftentimes in, in America, when we look at even a saying like that, we see like Jesus' teachings, knowing the truth, and we think, oh, we're just supposed to memorize the teachings of Jesus. But that's not what Jesus was saying there. Number one, Jesus' teachings don't have to do with memorization. They have to do with action. So most of what Jesus taught actually has to do with actually how we live. So they were not just good ideas to store in our head. But, but the word knowledge used in that, in that Verse actually means experiential knowledge. So a good way to understand Jesus is saying here is that if we continue living out the teachings of Jesus, we will experience truth. And that truth will bring us into freedom. That's experiential knowledge. And so why do some people have experiential wisdom and some people don't? Because going back to what it talked about at the beginning of this, some people are looking for wisdom in their experiences of life, and some people aren't. Some people are open to learning from what life and God and circumstances will teach them, and some people aren't. There's a lot of people who just go out their day like it's, it's just Groundhog's Day. They just start, they get out of bed, just go to work, and they're on autopilot their whole day. We all get into seasons like that. We all get into times of life where we're just, you know, it's time to make the donuts, and we're just, we're just doing this thing over and over. I get that most people don't, you know, probably young people don't even know that reference. It's an old Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> but we just go through life on autopilot, and we don't learn anything. But to the person who is open to wisdom, they'll find that every circumstance that they face in life, they can learn something from it. They can learn something from it. 
And the, and the wonderful thing is, if you set your heart to be a student and to learn from the circumstances that life gives you, you are going to find that some of the things you experience are going to actually give you wisdom from things that you, for, for, for experiences you will have in the future that you would never make the connection for. So like, for instance, I kind of joke around when, when people find out that I'm a pastor, I don't usually introduce myself as a pastor because people start apologizing for cussing and stuff. <laughs> Like 95% of the time, that's, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry I was cussing. Like, like, I'm, the, like I'm the cussing police. <laughs> I'm like, you ought to hear my wife. <laughs> She'd get mad at me if it wasn't true. <laughs> but when, when, I, when I meet people, oftentimes they find out I'm a pastor, and they oh, tell me about your church. And I, I often will tell people, like, I run this church like a musician. And, and I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not joking, because i got to tell you, I learned more that was helpful to me in getting this church started and being a pastor by playing in a band for six years where that was my full-time job and we traveled around and we, we did things like, like, I learned more through those six years, you know, back when I was in college, uh, doing the band thing that was actually helpful to do in a church than I did from going to the vineyard seminary, you know, doing the, the, I did the vineyard seminary classes like online for a couple of years. Um, I learned more that actually helped me. Why? Well, when you're in a band, when you're a musician, you know, part of, being a musician, particularly if you get to the level where you're actually getting invited to play places, <laughs> um, to, to do something, to, to do music in a compelling way requires, in, musicians who are not only getting better at playing music themselves, but they know how to play together and they know how to come together to serve something that is much bigger than themselves, which is called the song. And so when, when musicians are all coming together and everybody's playing together, a lot of times you get musicians together and they're, they're not playing together. They're just playing their own thing and they happen to be on stage together. But when you have musicians who are actually playing in unison and paying attention to one another and, and working together for something greater than them, when it's all hitting on all cylinders, it's beautiful. And we've all experienced that, whether a symphony or a rock concert or a singer-songwriter. When, when, you, when you hear this stuff, it's compelling because everybody's working together. That's a big part about being in the church. You know, you're a community of people. Everybody's trying to find their place, and you're all trying to work for something greater than you. Uh, I learned, in, you know, when we would do a month tour out to California, learned a lot about community <laughs> and how to work through things rather than just get offended and leaving, you know, because you're kind of stuck in this van, and either the whole thing falls apart and somebody's left on the side of the road, or you figure out how to work through it. I learned about you know, planning things and organizing things. I learned about songwriting. You know, I, it's, it's funny. Like, I, I tell people all the time, like, I learned more about writing weekend messages from the process of writing songs. You know, to me, it's like, when I write, if, if you saw my life during the week, you know, usually I come up here on a, 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 a Friday and I'm preaching to nobody for about three hours. I'm walking around, and it, because that's the way I write songs. You know, I get an idea, and then I mess around with the idea, and then I go back and write some notes, and I, I try working it again. That, that's the way I figure out how to communicate the things in a compelling way. 
That's all wisdom that I got from a completely separate field. But that's experiential knowledge. And everything in life can teach you something. You know, when I, even when I look at this condo thing, I, I think I, I probably shared this a couple of months back, but I, I really finally got to the place. I was frustrated. You know, the, we've, we've been trying to get rid of this thing for nine years and, and working on it and just not happy about a lot of things. But I finally just adjusted my attitude a little a few months ago. And I was like, God, I don't want to just keep getting angry or, or unhappy with this situation. I want to learn. Teach me what I should learn. So I learned a few lessons. Number one, I'm not meant to be a landlord. <laughs> and that being a landlord's not like being a pastor. And if you try to be a try to be like a pastor in landlording, it doesn't work. So that's experiential knowledge. The second kind of knowledge would be intellectual knowledge. I, I find in the that that people tend to be more inclined to intellectual knowledge or experiential knowledge, but it's it's people who are more inclined to intellectual need to make space in their life for some experience. Go experience some new things. Go try some new things out. Pick up an instrument. Learn a language. Get something that will get you out of your comfort zone. And those who are inclined to experiential learning probably need to temper that with some intellectual knowledge. Read some books. Read some great works of literature. Study something. Study science. Study something that challenges your thinking. Philosophy. Don't just be sloppy with your ideas. I, most of what I see on, on, on social media is people who are just regurgitating ideas that somebody else said, and they haven't searched out the issues themselves. And, and challenge. Work out your brain. You know, your brain is like a muscle. You know, if you, don't, if you don't invest some time in intellectually thinking through things, you know, it atrophies. It gets sloppy. I think Christians should have good ideas and well-articulated ideas on things, not just be sloppy in it. So, so intellectual knowledge is good because it's good to read how other great thinkers have wrestled through their things in their journey and their experience and, and get to at least think through those things, not whether you agree with them or not. Intellectual knowledge. And then finally, the, the last aspect of knowledge would be... Um, Good judgment. And I, and I think and what I would kind of call this last aspect would be common sense. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody that is intellectually like a genius, but they just ain't got no sense? Like, he's just like, dude. I mean, I, I, I heard something. It's probably an urban legend, but I, you, you've probably heard this before that like Einstein didn't know how to tie his shoes. I don't know if that was true, but we believe it because we've seen some people who are just brilliant who can't do some of the simplest things sometimes. I think it is important. It is important as people who experience the Holy Spirit, who set our minds on, on, on experiencing, learning through the experiences of our life, who challenge our intellect. One of the most important things we can do is stay grounded. Grounded. I've seen some people over the years who, you know, particularly in my early days in, in very charismatic churches, I saw some people just get just wacky with their experiences of God. And I believe they genuinely experienced God, but it just, there was no common sense in their life. So their, their experiences with God actually destroyed them. 
They just got so flaky and out there that they, 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 they weren't able to stay grounded. So common sense is actually a way of grounding us in reality. Like, and, and I learned this actually in a, this was a very helpful way. When we started our teaching team on the second year of this church, I, I called up a, about five people. None of them had ever been in ministry full-time, worked in a church. And, you know, I, I had a lawyer, a contractor, an electrician, a stay-at-home mom. And, and we, I show up. Our first thing, I give everybody a, a book this big called uh, Gordon Fee's Commentary on the Book of Philippians. And I think it was Al who said, wow, this is like a five or 600-page book commenting on a four-page book from the Bible. <laughs> That's a, and it was a very helpful thing for me to show up week after week because as a young pastor, as somebody who's read a lot of theology, man, theological concepts can sometimes get me really excited. And I'd show up, and I'd, I'd be, like, talking about this atonement theory or this thing, and and... Oftentimes, somebody would just say, like, okay, well, what does this mean? What's this mean? Like, what does this actually mean in real life for the rest of us who don't, aren't on staff at a church? And I was like, that was so helpful. Because what was actually going on is, is my teaching team was actually helping me stay grounded, like bringing it down, like, like let, let's, let's keep this in a good common sense way. It's okay to explore the experiential side, the intellectual side, but at the end of the day, let's, 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 let's focus this into the real world. And it is when you have experiential knowledge, intellectual knowledge, and common sense braided together in your life, when you are looking throughout your life on how to um, learn in these three areas, then you truly develop wisdom. And that wisdom, it's not always going to save your life. Let, let me say this about the book of Proverbs. It's wisdom. So, so what we're looking at with Proverbs, this is like, this, this works most of the time. <laughs> if you act this way, do these things, it's going it's to, more times than not, it's going to help you out. Sometimes it won't. But it's better to at least have wisdom as, as, as a go-to to navigate things. And th- this is the other aspect that I would like to say. In the Christian life, as people who are looking to listen to the Holy Spirit and experience God, we don't rely on wisdom alone because we are relating to God and opening our hearts to God. And there are some times where God will have you do something that looks completely foolish and unwise to outsiders. So that's the one caveat I wanted to say about wisdom. It's, it's really good, and you need to set your heart to pursue it. And wisdom is an attribute of God. But sometimes God will ask you to do some things that don't make any sense. And that's the other thing. We need to be wise to that. I think if, if Dina and I were just going after wisdom, we would have never planted this church. It didn't make any sense to leave a place where, you know, we loved our church. We had good community, good friendships. <laughs> our kids had good relations. It didn't make any sense to leave that and go to a place where we didn't know anybody and hope that this thing was going to work. I mean, there's a, a high probability that this was going to just fail very quickly. So there are some times where God will have you do something that doesn't look wise. But the main thing we need to consider is are we looking to gain wisdom in our lives? I want to leave you, I I love this quote I came across a while back. In times of great change, which is always, 
learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. Tweet that, man. People who continue to learn are going to be the ones who thrive. People who stop learning, they're equipped for a world that's no longer in existence. So I want to leave you with these two thoughts. If we can manage to keep the posture of learners and students in our daily life, we may find that one day that we are able to even meet adversity with curiosity and the unexpected with openness and courage. This is kind of the process of if, if you live your life as a learner, you will learn from success, but oftentimes you're going to learn from failure. And you can, over time, you will develop the attitude that even when things happen to you that you don't like and you don't want, you know that they're not the end of the world because you know you can learn something through them. You know you can grow through them. And that's worth a lot right there. Two questions I want to leave you with. We talk a lot in here about reflective exercises. This is, uh, you could kind of use this like the uh, Jesuit prayer of examine, which we've talked about a lot here. The Jesuit prayer of examine is a prayer that I like to pray at the end of the day. Uh, when I reflect back over my day, replay your day and look for the moments of consolation and desolation, the moments where you felt connected, alive, um, like you were doing the thing you were intended to do, or desolation, where you felt stressed out, anxious. Um, Same thing you can do with this. These questions are this. What do I think I might be able to learn through the various circumstances I'm facing today? What if you started off your day with that? In your first waking moments, when you begin to think about the meetings and the the things that you got to do throughout the day, what if you asked yourself at the beginning of the day, Looking at my schedule today, what do I think I might learn? That's a great question. Why? Because it immediately puts you in a posture where you're already thinking about learning. And then the second question. When I get to the end of the day, what have I learned today? Just look back on your day. What did you learn? The great thing about these two questions, if you go go about asking them of yourself for a few weeks, you're going to find that, that you're starting to pay attention to wisdom. You're starting to be in the posture of a learner. And that makes all the difference in the world. All right. Dang it, I tried to be quicker this week. Stand up. Get up. Stand up. <laughs> well, Lord, I just, I just pray your blessing on everyone here today. Lord, that you would help us to be students, help us to be learners, help us to put wisdom as a priority for our lives, help us to find your spirit meeting us and teaching us in our circumstances, our experiences, in our minds. And Lord, help us to stay grounded with just good old common sense, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go be wise. If anybody needs prayer, you can feel free to come up here to the front, and we would be glad to pray with you.